So you've been watching uh, lately? Um, I don't know. We watched. Uh, it's been out for a while now. Man of the High Castle. We started watching that and hadn't watched it in like a week or so. But we're like halfway through season two on that. Other than that, we're just looking. Uh, I've heard that's really good. I've only watched. I think I watched the first season and I wasn't super impressed. And people said that it got better, but I never went back to it. Uh, so that's something that I need to check out again. But uh, we go through yeah, these weird periods stranger. where, yeah, I'm, it, I, it, I don't know. The first season, I, I don't remember a ton about it because it's been a couple of years. Uh, I just remember not being like, I thought like, oh, what if Nazis won and took over America? Is a is it like a, an awesome concept? And then like the first season was real slow. But I mean, a lot of a lot of first seasons are slow. I should have given that show more time. Um, but it's yeah. something I'm probably go, I'll go back to eventually. But yeah, we go through these high and low periods of watching everything and then we don't watch anything. And uh, we're waiting on Ted Lasso to finish, which is a really good show that I highly recommend if you have Apple Plus. Uh, I think it's called Apple Plus or Apple TV or something. Who knows? But uh, about an, uh, an American college football coach who gets hired to be the coach of a English Premier League soccer team. and He doesn't know anything about soccer. Uh but it's very, very, very good show. Very funny. Very heartwarming. Uh, but they're in the middle of the second season. And we don't, me personally, I don't like watching shows that are week to week. Like I like binge watching. So we're waiting for that to finish. And then um, what else have we watched recently? Uh, we binged The Crown over the summer on Netflix. I don't know if you're interested in, in British uh, politics slash monarchy. Uh, but that was interesting. It was interesting because there's a lot of the story. Like, obviously, we're not British, but I didn't know a lot of the 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 history of it. Um, I'm sure it, it dramatizes uh, a lot of the events. And there's obviously periods where when it's two people talking in the castle that nobody could have possibly known besides the two people talking in the castle. But it seems mm-hmm. it seems mostly plausible. And I, like I did a lot of. I would always like if something happened, I would Google it and see what really happened. And and it seems like they're pretty good with it for the most part. Uh, What's the so that was that time period? It's all the time period, right? So it starts with uh, it starts with Elizabeth's dad back in uh, what's that time period? Early twenties, maybe thirties. And uh, it pretty much goes through all of Elizabeth's life. Like Elizabeth is is the main character, kind of, but it also takes you through other people's perspectives. Yeah. Uh, but it's like basically her entire life. So like it starts with her dad and her dad dying, and then her uncle abdicating, and then her becoming queen, and then it just it kind of skips around time periods. Like uh, the first season is like young, her becoming queen, and like her being young. And then, like, the next season, she, like, it's, like, a time jump to, like, the 60s. So, like, it's, like, the 40s-ish, 50s, and then it jumps into the 60s, 70s. And, like, each season progressively jumps forward in time. And they change Mm -hmm. out the actor and actresses. And uh, at first, it threw me off because I didn't, I you know, you you watch a show and you just figure out who everybody is. And then uh, when they they change, like, basically the entire cast every season for the most part. Uh, 
it really threw me off because I had to le- relearn everybody again. <laughs> uh, but I got over that quickly. It's 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 it was a minor thing, and uh, I like that they did it because they're able to jump forward and they didn't have to use like like the the guy who plays um, her husband. the The first actor was okay, but the second actor I really liked. He was really good as as her husband. Uh, so it's good and bad in those things because the the first queen i thought was really good and then the second queen is olivia coleman who's also really good uh but yeah that's one worth working out watching if you are interested at all in that like my my wife picked it out we we go back and forth about what shows who picks what um so that was that's one ch- worth checking out because again it's not something i normally uh know a lot about yeah uh, so that was cool and then uh that's on netflix and if you want a, I guess, raunchier version of The Crown uh, with more cursing and debauchery and shenanigans, there's a show on Hulu called The Great, which is about Catherine the Great in Russia. Uh, that one is not nearly as historically accurate, uh, <laughs> but but there are some, it is based on what really happened. Uh, and that one's a more funny, lighthearted show, but it's definitely R rated. Gotcha. We watched both of those. And, uh, I would say I liked the crown more from, cause I, I do like history and I'm into that stuff. Uh, but the great was, there were some really laugh out loud, funny parts with the great, but we, we, we don't mind, uh, a little of the uh r-ratedness but yeah it was it was a that was an interesting show for sure yeah we'll have to check out uh, the crown sounds interesting that sounds super interesting so that'll be when we look at if we uh if i can convince her to to not finish uh man in the high castle right away (laughs) so we'll see how successful that is well that's uh that's your one v one deep state TV recommendations. If you haven't, <laughs> if you haven't, you got nothing else to watch. Uh, I'm Jake at the rake, but the A is a four on Twitter. My co-host is Thomas Black at Thomas Black underscore eighty six on Twitter. We're at OVO Deep State on Twitter. This is the OVO Deep State podcast where we talk about all things, including what TV shows to watch. Uh, are you somebody who? Like, will you quit a TV show if you don't like it? Or do you, like, finish a whole season just to finish to see if it gets better? No, I'll quit it. My wife is more of like, no, we got to finish. It'll get better. And I'm like, this is a waste of time. Let's find something new. Yeah, we we generally will watch an entire season before we give up on a show. I won't watch the whole thing, but we'll give up on a season. Um, I don't think we've ever watched just, like, an episode and then given up, a, give, like, not given a show try. Mainly because, like, I'm pretty good at finding shows that are like highly rated or the critics like him or there's a lot of like word of mouth mm-hmm. uh so I'll, we'll, we'll at least give it a season but uh yeah i know people who are like oh i watched three episodes that i didn't like it i'm like yeah but it gets better <laughs> and like like if there's somebody telling us like you know oh no i think you really like it give it time like we'll stick with it but if we just like find it you know just kind right. of scanning through options and like oh let's try this and if we don't like the first episode or two nah. We're, we're done. So, well, this is a great segue. You know what I'm done with? The <laughs> Texas abortion law. 
You're done with that, Texas altogether, right? You just yeah. You know. We 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 need to give up. I'm not making it through the, this this season of the Texas show. We're uh, we're gonna quit that and uh, try something else. So, uh, the Texas abortion law, which isn't really people are calling it the Texas abortion ban, but for six weeks you can have an abortion, right? So that's not really a ban. <laughs> So that was, I'm going to Google exactly when it passed because it was very recently, Uh, but it's been, it's been in the Texas house for a while and they've been uh, debating it, but it just recently passed because Texas forced all of their, all the Democrats back into the, (laughs) the Texas house. (laughs) uh after they you know ran away from the voting rights bill and uh the the texas bill oh the supreme court decided not to hear the case on september 1st so that's when it was uh allowed to go into effect uh but basically it says that anything after six weeks texas will give grounding to anybody who want any, any other private citizen who wants to sue the doctor, a a abortion provider or anybody who helped somebody get an abortion. Oh yeah. I forgot about that detail with up to 10, uh, yeah. A $10,000 cash reward if successful and removing defendants ability to recoup their legal fees. So yeah, from what I understand, it's pretty much, you can sue anybody involved in the abortion except the woman who got the abortion so like you said it'd be like an uber driver taking somebody there uh yes boyfriend dropping a wife off or a girlfriend off um yeah the doctor's office like pretty much anybody in that whole supply chain (laughs) right they're not making abortion illegal but in civil courts they're giving anybody standing to sue anybody who aids an abortion and they don't there's no clarification on what aiding an abortion is there's no there's no strict definition and just basically making it a bounty system which is just absolutely absurd but i guess it is texas like they're really big on their their bounties i guess they're still stuck in the the 1800s well when you're when you're your own country you can make your own laws right i guess so i I have a feeling we're we're both kind of on the same side of this issue, but I want to hear what your thoughts are as somebody who is pro-life, uh, given that Texas is obviously doing this to prevent people from having abortions. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm a fan of what they're trying to accomplish. This is, this is a really dangerous way of accomplishing it, I think. Um, I mean, I think the basis of the argument has always been that uh, prenatal life is still life and therefore taking it should be criminal. Um, so to make it a civil issue is kind of a roundabout way. Um, but, but those are, I think there's a real danger in allowing uh, civil, uh, cases to be heard where the plaintiff has not been harmed or affected in any way. Um, so that, that's kind of the, the big danger. I think where this ultimately might go, though, is, is you know, obviously under Roe v. Wade, um, abortion has been uh, the precedent that was set and legalized 
under the assumption that, hey, you have a right to privacy and abortion would fall under the umbrella of your, your private, you know, your private life. So if you're allowing citizens to take you to civil court to encroach on what our government currently says is a right, what stops it from, what stops other states from, let's say, passing hate speech laws where they say the government's not going to stop you from saying things, but if you exercise your free speech in a way that somebody else doesn't like, they have the right to take you to civil court for not, not even damages because, again, in the Texas case, you, the plaintiff doesn't have to sew damages. Yeah, it's so not even. Not, yeah, it's that's not it's, it's worse than that. It's not even. It's not even hate speech. Like if you, if you, if I said hate speech towards you, anybody in the anybody state of Texas podcast could sue you. It doesn't have to be. They could hear it secondhand. Like yeah. there's no. Texas gave everybody grounds in civil court, which is insane. Like the entire point of. Like that's the very first part of a lawsuit is whether they're standing, whether you have standing in court, whether you have injury or whatever to to bring a case to court. And Texas just threw all that out the window and said everybody has standing now, which is that's absolutely insane. Whether you're pro life or not or pro choice, well, that is I, such a that's such a dangerous thing to do. It is, you know, and I think we, we I mean, just as, really as a, as a nation have to hold leaders accountable and then recognize that a principle of, you know, the end justifies the means is not a smart way to govern. It's not a good approach to passing law and, and, and governing society. And I think anybody who would be for this would generally say, yeah, this may not be the best way, but the at least on, on the right, on the political right, the evil of abortion is so bad that however you need to get rid of it, that's fine. And I'm just not in that camp. And, and I think, again, I, I would disagree with some of the uh, rationale behind Roe v. Wade um, and, 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 you know, as, as far as it being a fundamental right. But if, if the current precedent is this is a fundamental right, um you have to kind of go back to what's the role of government? Well, the role of government is to protect the life, liberty, and property or any of the inalienable rights we have. And it's not just the government says, I won't take them from you, but I'll let other people know. The government's put in positions to ensure you keep inalienable rights. Um, so then this kind of not doing that um, on this particular instance opens up a door for other states or localities to potentially pass laws that would say, well, we're not going to take away freedoms, but we're going to let other people do it and we're not going to stop them. Um, it's, to me, it's just very short-sighted. And I think, I think it, I think ultimately truth be told, it's not going to last. Like the Supreme court didn't hear it really on the grounds that we're talking about because nobody is able to show, you know, here's because- the individual that's been harmed <laughs> by the law. Therefore, you should hear this. So the five four decision was: you have to show me who's been harmed by this before I can hear it. Yeah, the irony of <laughs> a law passed in Texas that gives anybody standing, but the Supreme Court won't hear it until somebody has standing. Yeah, but to me, the Supreme Court was right. Like the Supreme Court, like that, the majority opinion on that was the correct opinion. Um, it, but you're right; it is. If you step back, it's pretty funny that they didn't hear it. <laughs> on that grounds yet the whole law rests on on getting away from those grounds 
Yeah, and I think I didn't I didn't read the decision, but I read commentary about the decision basically. I think I agree that it's better for the Supreme Court to wait for somebody to be injured, quote unquote, and have actual standing because that's what they do. They shouldn't be a proactive court like that, right? Like the mm-hmm. the entire setup of the court and the history of the court is is that somebody has to have standing. You have to have standing to get a case heard. I think it's, I th- I think I do agree with the the criticisms of it, saying like this is clearly unconstitutional. <laughs> I think, in my opinion, and somebody is going to like because they empowered anybody to have standing. Somebody's definitely going to get sued. Uh, so like waiting for that, you have to wait for that and then incur all the, like, this could be a, a long process when, when the law is very clearly not a good one, but I do agree that I think it's probably more, I don't want to say dangerous, but it's more dangerous for the Supreme court to proactively go after these laws before anybody actually has, it would have to be a an unprecedented situation. And I don't, I don't, while this is pretty unprecedented, like $10,000, whatever, like anybody who is in the situation, we've already seen uh, a lot of private companies and citizens and whatever say like, uh, I think it's Uber and Lyft are saying, if you, if you ever get sued for this as an Uber driver, they'll, they'll cover your legal fees. So like, there, there, there are. I'm not. Nobody's life is going to get. Well, I don't want to say that. Nobody's life is going to get ruined by this. But I think that we'll see. We'll see cases where there's a lot of support, and it's not going to be some, you know, some yeah. poor, some poor Uber driver or a neighbor who took their their neighbor to the. You know, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. I hope that's not going to happen. Uh, but I, this will this will definitely make its way to the Supreme Court. Uh, it's one of the most outlandish laws I've seen a state pass in a long time. And no, and like, yeah. I'm just I'm just reading it like so. You, it it protects serial plaintiffs who could file dozens or hundreds of cases. It yeah. removes the defendant's ability to recoup their legal fees. Like it's such a lopsided. It's like it's so blatantly bad. Like I can't believe that well, it, they actually it, yeah. passed it. Yeah, I read it yesterday. It's heavily, heavily favored. Uh, I didn't read all of it. I read a lot of it yesterday, and it's heavily favored inside of the plaintiff. The only thing that really seemed to be um, leaning in, in support of the defense, uh, the defendant of the case, um, when this sees a courtroom, is the same person or, or, or a doctor's office or whatever can't be sued by multiple people for the same act. You know, so they're not going to get sued right. ten times for one abortion and have to pay a hundred grand. Right. But one person can sue a hundred different clinics. Yes, and they were setting up websites for it and stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, and that's, that's what's going to happen. I mean, you're going to have basic law firms um, that, that specialize in in abortion cases on both sides of it. Um, and, and so, I mean, I, th- I think if I had to guess that, I mean, there are going to be law firms like, hey, we're going to do all this pro bono because our whole existence is to uh, fight these fights in the courtroom, and the individual. Um, or the individuals on the case, uh, I don't think at least financially going to be, you know, affected. I think there are, there's so many law firms that are eager to do whatever is necessary to, to, you know, fight this in court to either make it stand or to uh, get rid of the law. So I don't think it's going to be like this life altering. I hope it's not going to be a, a, you know, life shattering 
process for any of the individuals involved. I think it's going to be a lot of law firms though that are getting leading the charge on this and just looking for somebody to put, you know, put on the the title of the case. Yeah, I think a lot of people what if they don't follow the Supreme Court, which I you shouldn't. It's a boring institution <laughs> 90 90 95% of the time. Uh, but the 5% that are interesting and noteworthy, uh, they actually go out and look for perfect plaintiffs uh, to bring cases to the Supreme Court. It's not for people who don't know, like Rosa Parks was a setup. They picked out Rosa Parks. They picked out what bus stop. They like it was all planned ahead of time. Uh, a lot of cases are you want to find somebody who's got like a pristine reputation, who actually was injured by the law or could be injured by the mm-hmm. law. Uh, and they set all this stuff up and, and same thing on the, uh, you know, with conservative case victories, uh, the, uh, Heller versus DC or whoever Heller was, was against that one was found by mining for cases. Uh, there was a, a young woman who was applying to college and didn't get in and she sued for racial discrimination. Uh, I think it was in Texas too. I think it was against the university of Texas, maybe. Uh, that was a couple of years ago that she, you know, she was sought out and found. So very much similar. They're going to find like a perfect case for the Supreme court uh, to, to go to the Supreme court and argue their cases. But yeah, we're going to have to wait for somebody to actually get sued under this law. It, it, it's just such a, like, it's, it's so blatantly that's, that's my biggest issue is like, I know Texas is anti-abortion. I know they're going to do everything they can to stop abortions. They've, closed a lot of abortion clinics they made it really hard to get an abortion but like to empower anybody to sue anybody else without injury in the civil system without standing is yeah it's just so insane and like so short-sighted like imagine imagine another state just saying okay well if uh if if somebody from texas comes to our state you just automatically have standing against them because they're from texas like what that doesn't make any sense yeah what well, it, it almost i mean it, it kind of reminds me of like different people who you know lived in Russia under communism because I think at the time it was reported um, like in the eighties, seventies, eighties in Russia that like one of four Russian citizens were or have been informants to the, to the KGB. Right, so you had to be real careful about like if you had a side job, you know, because that wasn't allowed because you know, and their way of thinking like a side job means you're taking work from somebody else. Um, so that was a criminal act that you had to be real careful about what you said. Otherwise they might turn you in and it kind of turned citizens like against each other in that regard where, you know, if, if essentially they can all be deputies um, to enforce laws that the, the state cannot. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I sound, to, to me, like the Alabama, I mean, and again, we disagree on this, you and I, but the Alabama law was the way to approach it. Um, for, from from anybody who wants to uh, ban abortion, I mean, they just say, "Listen, we believe a, a, the science would suggest that prenatal life is the same as postnatal life, and it should be criminal, and we're going to make it a criminal offense that the state uh, is empowered to to protect." Um, that's the way you argue this case with with to me a much more consistency, and even within the decision, the majority opinion of Roe v. Wade. The, the opinion states, you know, essentially that of the three reasons why you have uh, 
prenatal laws and protections. You know, one of them obviously is for the life of the child. The other two were for more social reasons or for the protection of the mother um, to regulate the medical practice of abortion and make sure it's safe. But, but you know, the, again, the majority opinion even states you didn't make a case for prenatal life being the same as postnatal life. But if you did make that case um, and show how those two are equal, we would have to reconsider, you know, essentially the precedent of Ruby Wade. So every argument that you make, I mean, they left the door open for if you can help us understand and see that these two are the same prenatal and postnatal, then we have to revisit Ruby Wade. And I think that's what Alabama is trying to do. Meanwhile, Texas is like, yeah, there's a quicker way to do this. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I. So we agree, but not. On the. <laughs> The overall topic, yes, I think yeah. I think yeah. if you're going to do it, a bad way to do anything. We we disagree that the end or the goal of this is, right. is good. Right. Yeah, I think I yeah. If you're going to challenge Roe v. Wade, you need to do it with this. Yeah, through the state, not through citizens. your your citizens of your state being able to bring any case to court, which is insanity. Uh, yeah, I think. I think that we've said all we can about the Texas lawsuit and that the, as you say, we disagree on the overall point, which is abortion in general. Uh, so I don't think it's any surprise if anybody's listens to this podcast or knows us that you are pro life anti-abortion and I am pro choice. Uh, I don't think anybody's pro abortion. I think there's a reason we don't use those terms. I'm I want as many I want as few abortions to happen as possible. But I I think the reality is is that they should be they should be an option. It's obviously a complicated issue and we're going to get into some of those mm-hmm. complications. Uh, but I think I just want to start from a place of agreement that both of us want as few abortions as possible. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah, go, I, I, I would go as far to say as we both want zero abortions. Yeah. I just think that. I, I mean, for you, for sure. I think it's, that's more of a, I don't think that's very obvious to people. I'll, I'll, I'll take the the left side. The, I'll call myself a Democrat here. I don't think people think Democrats want zero abortions. I think they do. I think that's the goal is to have a system in place where everybody's needs are met to where nobody nobody wants or needs an abortion. Yeah, and, and I, I'll say I'll say from 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 the right. Um, I don't think the right speaks well on this at all. Um, but but and you've heard me reference a guy named Nick Friedas who, who's in the state house here in Virginia. Um, he did the absolute best job um, in starting a conversation about abortion. And he was pretty bold in the way he said it. But his whole point was anybody who would say that they're pro-life, um, but they're not willing to uh, walk alongside a mother who is experiencing a pregnancy that she doesn't want or is afraid to see through. If you're not willing to kind of walk alongside her and do life with her, then you're a fraud. And he would say, like, you're not pro-life. You're just kind of selfish. And in to me, that's actually, I mean, for, for my personal worldview, absolutely right. Um, 
I, I think it's a, a really bad way to approach it to say, well, this is you, this is your problem, deal with it. Um, I wouldn't force anybody, obviously, to, to help anybody out. You can't do that in society. But I, I think anybody who would say I'm pro-life, hopefully just by being a good citizen or a good neighbor, be like, hey, let me help you with all of the challenges of pregnancy. Let me help you with all of the challenges of early motherhood um, and not just abandon you to, you know, the, the, the fate of your situation, if you will. But I really respected, yeah. you know, Delegate Nick Fritos for, for the way he approached it and what he said uh, in his campaign. For what it's worth. Yeah, I'm I'm semi-familiar with him. Uh, had some Twitter interactions with him, but nothing. I don't really know his whole platform um, other than he's generally a conservative. But I think that that's, that's something we'll get into. Uh, I want to talk about that uh, perceived hypocrisy perceived or real hypocrisy uh, of pro-life verse once you're out of the womb you're kind of on your own that seems to go on on the right so we'll start with the big thing overall i think i think we should talk about roe v wade you brought it up earlier Uh, this is one of those situations where I, i think people bring up roe v wade a lot and don't actually know what the actual decision of roe v wade was it did it did it absolutely did not like legalize abortions everywhere uh unrestricted and it wasn't really even the ruling wasn't even about abortions per se it was about like personal liberty right uh well that's definitely what the majority opinion argued um right and then, yeah, to your point though like roe v wade was just kind of the the floodgate opening a lot of our um, current, a lot of the current legal standing on abortion has come from follow-on cases after Roe v. Wade. Right. Um, like Casey Planned Parenthood was another popular one, but yeah, I mean, uh, even in the opinion, there were several things. I mean, when you start talking about the, you know, the, the penumbra of, um, amendments that gives this right of privacy, um, you're kind of getting on shaky footing with me personally but yeah they, they looked at i think fourth fifth ninth and 14th amendments that would say well the penumbra of these amendments gives people a right to privacy and abortion being a medical procedure would fall under that right to privacy therefore um with the facts presented in this case women have the right to their privacy um and the, the choices that, that are made in that Right. I I think people have a misconception that it's like specifically about, you know, uh, when when is a when is a fetus a person? When is it? You know, all that's like none of that was a part of Roe v. Wade, really. It was just it was literally a a privacy issue is what 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 the final judgment ended up being. Uh, And I think that's why we basically gotten nowhere in the last however many years with uh determining the actual legality of abortion i would say mm-hmm. no yeah you're right and i mean again even and again the, the opinion stated you, you didn't argue you know for the uh veracity of prenatal life um you didn't argue that this was uh the same as postnatal life. And then the Supreme Court said every time the Constitution talks about life, it talks about it in a postnatal state. So if you can close the gap or so um, 
you know, that, that, that prenatal and postnatal are the same, then the answer is very clear. The government is responsible for protecting life. And, and that's why I said the Alabama law did a better job because hopefully when that gets taken to the Supreme Court and it's argued, there's a premise of this is a life and the Constitution, Constitution including judicial precedent, Roe v. Wade, says that life is protected by government regardless of um, the development state. So... Yeah, and I just want to point out, Roe v. Wade was decided January 22nd, 1973. We are almost 50 years post-Roe v. Wade, and we've made almost no progress one way or the other on determining the legality of abortion. Yeah. I think... Uh, I put this in... I sent you a text about what my main points were going to be about. I, this is just another failing of of Congress, and like I think if if they really were going to get this done, it's got to be it's got to be an amendment, right, to the Constitution. Um, I wouldn't think so. Truth be told, so so I guess my argument would be because everything we oh, not everything, so. I'd go back to really um, predating the United States when we were still colonies and all the way through, you know, until the 70s, we've always had abortion laws. Um, like this isn't like a new thing where we realized that, you know, we could finally commit abortion and then all of a sudden we started having laws about it. Like there's always been abortion laws within the states on books. Um Primarily, there was, it was usually to either the, the laws were about when you could have an abortion so that the life of the mother would be protected. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so, you know, reputable doctors, licensed physicians, um, the opinion of two or more, like things like that um, were often uh, in there. And then kind of it, it was also used in some states as like a roundabout way of discouraging um sexual promiscuity like you know that is like hey you know any any laws against abortion were really aimed at that there weren't a lot of laws um that were aimed at protecting the fetus because they said hey this is indisputably life um but we've had in the in the history of our nation in in the various states thereof um multiple laws about this and obviously roe v wade um has pretty much been used as a a judicial precedent to where any abortion, most abortion laws that a state would enact have been taken to court. Um, and the, the precedent from Ruby Wade has just been strengthened in other state or federal cases. Um, and that's why I think you don't necessarily see a lot of laws about abortion because when it's been tried post-1973, um, they'd just been struck down. So I think what you would ultimately have to do is, yeah, I mean, like, again, like, like Alabama and a few other states, make the law, keep it a criminal case, argue it up to the Supreme Court on the basis of uh, biology and, and, and medical fact. Um, and then once, if, if Roe v. Wade would be overturned, that's when I think you'd start seeing real legislation come out um, that would not be 
challenged or immediately dead on arrival based off judicial precedent. And then you could start talking about amendments. I don't know that that would be the way to go. Because I think if you overturn Roe v. Wade, what you would, what the decision would say is the Constitution already protects this life. So we don't need an amendment explicitly protecting it. The way we need an amendment to, let's say, recognize African Americans as actual humans. Um, because in the document, well, until those amendments, the Constitution did not recognize African Americans as equal under the law. Right. And I think that was because our our understanding of the world, I would say, changed. They literally thought slaves were subhuman and not not counted among the persons of the United States. Uh, I mean, the the, the three fifths compromise is a very good uh, showing of that. I think our understanding changed and we, and because the constitution didn't lay it out, lay out the definition of that, we had to put an amendment in. I think, I think your, your historical uh, explanation of abortion was, you know, a good one, but I think that's exactly why you need a constitutional amendment. If, if our understanding of life has changed, that needs to be codified in the constitution because Throughout history, up until the last century, basically, a life didn't begin until pregnant or until birth. We didn't we didn't have sonograms and uh, child uh, neonatal care units and all this stuff to make to make pregnancies uh, to make more pregnancies come to full term and have birth. We children. The, the mortality rate of countries or when you see like the mortality rate being like in the third in your mid thirties to forties, uh, historically it was that low because there was so much child death. Like they didn't, babies didn't make it to full term. Even when babies made it to full term, mm-hmm. a lot of them didn't survive. Uh, there's a reason why they aren't specifically like life wasn't codified in the constitution as conception that that that's a that's a recent invention that's not that was not historically what we considered life to be to be uh at conception or up to six weeks whatever the texas law yeah i mean i I mean i think i think to some degree i mean so usually when you see life talked about in uh in legislation um especially in like the 18th 19th century um they talk about it around week 20 um but the, the 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 distinction was always when you feel fetal movement, if fetal movement can be felt, um, right. That's when we believe this is a life. Um, so that was really old, like when they, when they would like ban abortions, um, in the, the 18th, 19th century, it was banning abortion after fetal movement before that. Um, it seems like the assumption was we don't know this is, if this is life or not. Um, well, I don't know if they don't, I don't, I haven't read enough about it. I, I, say, I, say I don't legally they would say we're not going to argue if this is life or not. Right, right, yeah. Legally, sure. right, we have to draw a line somewhere, and we're going to draw it with movement, which would make sense because eighteenth, you know, early nineteenth century, there's really no other way to 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 gauge it. Like you said, we didn't have the, the medical technology to at eight weeks, ten weeks, look and see like, oh, like 
that's a, that's a human inside that belly, you know? Right. Um, so that they, they well, had to drop somewhere and that was the, the yeah. Image. And it's, it's a lot different when you can see it and we can hear the heartbeat and we can like, it becomes more of a, a person quote unquote, then I, yeah. I it, at least emotionally, regardless of the science or the, the medical uh, definition, like emotionally, it feels like a person for sure or, or a potential person. But I, to get back to the main point, I, th- I think that if you're going to define what life is at this point in 2021, it's got to come through a constitutional amendment. I don't think you can make laws, even if the science and the and medicine say one thing, like that needs to be codified because you're basically, I don't want to say changing a definition, but you're definitely updating a definition that wasn't, that, that wasn't the way it was perceived when the constitution was written. And there are many amendments to the constitution where our understanding of something, I, I, I know you argued against it. I think this, the, 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 the emancipation amendment and instituting rights to all Americans, including African-Americans. I, th- I think that's a very good comparison. Actually, our understanding was that they weren't Americans. They were, they deserve no rights. And then we're like, Oh shit, actually these are human beings who should be treated as anybody else. Uh, that definition changed and we updated accordingly using your argument. Why would we even need that amendment? Lincoln freed the slaves. Oh, these are people. They fall under the United States Constitution. Like we had to make an amendment to 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 bring them into the fold. And this isn't the way I thought this conversation was going to go, but I, I I do like this topic. I think that I think that if you were going to outlaw abortion, you would need to have an amendment specifically saying that life begins at conception. I don't think that amendment would ever pass given the, the, the state of the nation and, uh, you know, you needing, you know, three quarters or two, whatever of every state. Like, I don't think I don't, this is a topic for another conversation. I don't know if any amendment will ever pass again in the United States, given our, I was about to say, it's much easier to write an executive order. Like, <laughs> yeah, 1000. And that's what, that's what happens, right? Like that's, like, then we're kind of going to go off on a tangent here, but that's why we see an increase in executive actions from, bush onward basically i mean it's been it's been ramping up for a long time but like bush was a lot and then obama was a lot and then trump was a lot and i'm sure biden is gonna set records but like this this is exactly what happens when we don't have a strong legislative branch and we don't have uh uh good i don't want to say consensus but like a a better political discourse between the right and the left is that we're i don't know if we'll ever pass an amendment no matter how necessary we need it ever again yeah so, so i guess to me go back to the the constitutional argument the reason we needed amendments is you know for instance in the founding document of the constitution as we addressed um african or at that time in historical context just africans they weren't thought about african-americans you referenced the three-fifth compromise, right? So you had basically the North saying, um, well, you're telling me that these people are property, so we're going to tax you based off your property. And like, well, no, they're not property. They're people, and we should get representation based off the number of people we have, right? So in the founding document, you you have a misunderstanding stated in a binding agreement called the Constitution, so right. with that changes, you actually have I, to... I would I would argue it's not a misunderstanding. It was purposefully done. No, I'm saying well, yeah. Um 
an error. I, yeah, that'd be much better. <laughs> you, you were wrong. Your founding document was wrong. It was flawed. So from a legal standpoint, you have to explicitly address that. I think if the founding document explicitly said life begins at birth, then you would need an amendment to legally change it. But because, and again, even in the Roe v. Wade decision, um, they said like the constitution is pretty silent on when life begins. The only yeah. context that we have for life, they are always speaking of life postnatal. Um, yeah. So I, I think if, um, that's why I don't think you need an amendment because if well, the judicial precedent is overturned and it's okay, clearly we've showed in court that prenatal and postnatal life are the same, then the constitution already grants protection to all life, but it, cause it doesn't, but because it doesn't explicitly say postnatal life, um, you know, a postnatal persons will be counted for representation. Um, I don't think you need that. I don't think you need an amendment. Um, you would you would ultimately just have states handling it um, through state legislation. Well, my rebuttal to that would be: we go, we try to interpret the Constitution all the time using the Constitution, and then more often than not, other historical writings and contexts to figure out what they actually meant. And we very clearly know that they didn't mean life begins at conception. Like that's there's no there's no argument that in the 18th century life begins at conception was this widely accepted and mm -hmm. uh, agreed upon definition. I think we, I mean, we use it for the second amendment all the time, right? Uh, when we're talking about a well, a well-regulated militia in order to own guns, we, people have been arguing over what that means for the last 50 ish years uh, for gun laws. So we look to the other writings of the time and we try to define what that actually what they actually meant in the, in that in the Second Amendment. I think if you're doing that for abortion, you really need to find proof that the founders intended for protecting life at conception. And I don't think you're going to find that. And if you're not going to find it, then I think your argument's a lot weaker and you're going to need an amendment. I, I mean, I don't I, I would prefer to. You know, settle the the debate once and for all, but I, I don't, I don't, I think the only way that that gets done is through an amendment. I don't think that we'll, we'll ever have, I'm just, su I'm super cynical about the amendment process. So I understand why states like Alabama and Texas are going about it the way they are. But in my personal opinion, I think the correct process is you got to get an amendment. That's the only way you're going to end this once and for all is to, define exactly when life begins in America and that is uh codified into our you know constitution yeah I mean and you might be right and I wouldn't be against it in fact I'd be you know if, if I would be all for it if we had an amendment that uh was more explicit on uh when life begins um I think ultimately the first step is going to have to be uh to overturn judicial precedent which, which people freak out about that like we've done that many times time. like i say i mean and again that's the whole the whole basis of the law is even when precedent is set you understand why the decision was made and the premise of the argument that leads to the conclusion of the decision and then you say oh okay you made this based off of the understanding you had at the time well 
if I can illuminate greater understanding on this same topic, the decision needs to be revisited. Yeah, so uh, it's, just, it's, it's, not, so, it's not it's not a big deal. It's not an anomaly for precedent to be overturned. But I think that'd be that'd be the first thing that has to happen. Yeah, and then yeah. Start talking about. I, just to go on a slight tangent, I would absolutely, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. I don't think people understand that internment camps in America during World War II were found by the Supreme Court to be okay. Yeah. I don't yeah. think anybody would be okay with that now. And nobody would, would like to, nobody's going to argue precedence of the, the 1940s, 50s, whatever, whenever it was decided. Nobody's going to argue precedence in that case. We're going to say, oh, times have changed. We understand that internment camps were probably not the right thing to do. Uh, so I wouldn't, I, I agree with you that precedence gets turned all the time over, gets flipped all the time, yeah. overturned all the time. Thank you. And the, that is not, that shouldn't be the only reason why you don't take a case or look at a law or like w- time, time gives us new perspectives and it always has. There are some really bad Supreme court decisions. Uh, the, uh, I can't think of the famous one. the The one guy he 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 had a he had a he was a Supreme Court justice who had his statue taken down in Maryland a couple of years ago. Uh, he had a really famous bad decision. Like people thought it was bad at the time uh, about about slaves and the, I think it was the Fugitive Slave Act. But like again, like you said, precedents gets turned overturned all the time. I think if you have a lot of precedents and in our 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 judicial, our legal thinking of a certain topic has been tested time and time again and mm-hmm. have has you have a clear line of like, okay, something has to radically change for this precedence to be overturned. That's a lot different than just saying, oh, this one case one time was yeah. argued this way or decided this way, like that could never be overturned. Like that's that's awful. That's not that's not what precedence means. And I think a lot of times when it gets argued in the public domain that that's actually what that's what they mean they mean like this one case when in reality it's like a long series of cases where we can see the legal thinking going back to you know the beginning of time for lack of a better metaphor yeah well and, and a lot of what you see um and i think a lot of what leads to that misconception for what it's worth is uh even cases that reach the supreme court they're argued the same way a case was already argued um, when precedent was set. So like people got upset with, uh, I forget the name of the case, but it was an abortion case. Um, but it was, um, chief justice, John Roberts, who wrote the opinion and it was a five, four decision. And and a lot of people on the the political right got upset, but his whole thing was, this is the same case that we already heard. And precedent has already spoke about this. You didn't bring any new information. Um, so the case he was referring to, um, he actually voted against it. Like he was not a fan of, the opinion of the court at the time, but he sided with them the second time because he said, even though I don't agree with this the precedent has already been set. And this is the same argument we heard. So right. based off of that, you, you have to default. So I think that's where you get this long line of judicial precedent that feels overwhelming, um, especially if you don't like the decision, but the reality is oftentimes they're not argued any different than the case that already lost. Um, you know, you didn't take a different approach. And yeah, that's why yeah. I think Roe v. Wade is so important because, again, they said, like, the, the case for life wasn't presented. Um, and if you can present that case and so equality of postnatal and prenatal life, we have to change this because the Constitution speaks of the government's role to protect life. Yeah. Um, so 
again, anything argued there, you have to ultimately go to say, hey, you know, there are, depending on who you ask, five to seven signs that biologists say exist for all life. Here are the five to seven signs. And at conception, you see all of these present. And that, that just has to be the argument you take. Right. And I don't want to I don't want to argue the merits of that argument. Uh, I think that we could do that forever. I, I think that that argument is fine to have. I like again, I just think you're going to have to get an amendment passed saying explicitly saying when life begins, because that's such a fundamental. Fundamental thing to to define. And if you're going to define it, I think that needs to be in the Constitution, I think, because there's not. you in order to overturn you're mostly libertarian and i know i know you're not like full-blown everybody gets 1000 percent liberty all the time uh because Mm -hmm. we live in a society but to overturn a woman's personal liberty on decisions of her health care you would have to define you'd have to get that codified uh very explicitly and very clearly as to why you're encroaching on her personal liberty. And I don't think a state law or even really a congressional law is strong enough to do that. I think you need the, the, if again, if, if it's put into the constitution, I don't want to say it's like a fundamental rule, but that's basically what it becomes. Like you, you, you become a, you, you have a much stronger argument if you can get that passed and put into the constitution. Uh, but I think that's what it's going to take to overturn somebody's individual liberty to that fundamental level. Um, I'm, I, this is a tough, I know this is a tough uh, frame to argue this from, because I understand that again, even me, even, even something that I think that we would both agree that most Americans would both agree, would all agree on. I don't think an amendment would get passed regardless. So it's, it's hard for you to argue from a situation where you, you don't, you don't think that would actually happen, but let's just talk about a situation where you think you could get an amendment passed or at least have a good argument to get an amendment passed. Like if it was, if it was easier to get an amendment passed, do you think that would be the, uh, I don't want to say the minimum, but like that, that, that would be the way to go, right? Like if, if you thought you could get an amendment passed, you'd go for the amendment, right? Instead of, instead of state laws, instead of, uh, putting a bounty system in place like you would want an amendment to codify like in the, in a perfect world you would want an amendment correct yeah i mean i, I think the amendment route would, would certainly make it um I mean, indisputably binding because because i think the only amendment we've ever had that got changed was prohibition of alcohol um so i think if you get an amendment passed going through that same arduous process to get it reversed is is nearly impossible <laughs> twice as unlikely um, so, so again, I'm not against it, but I think what, where, where I would go is, is it necessary, um, versus is it the best option for any pro-lifer? Yeah, that would be the best option, but I don't, nece- I don't believe it's necessary. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think the argument coming out of the courtroom would say, this is life. The constitution clearly speaks on life. So now you can make state laws however you want, you know, similar to maybe let's say murder where the constitution only says the government protects life. Therefore you don't need an amendment outlawing murder, but you have all the States with laws on um, how you will punish murder and how you will try it. And 
things of that nature. So I think it would, it would ultimately kind of follow that route and practically it would be fine. Um, right. And I think it'd be consistent and be able to be able to stand the weight of uh, judicial review. But yeah, I mean, I agree that the amendment route would be like, man, that, that'd be terrific. I just don't think it's necessary. Although that would be the, the dream. Right. I, Oh, well, I'm going to be cynical and say, you don't think it's necessary because it would never happen. Like, I don't think, again, I, I don't think any amendment would happen would pass in, in this this current uh, state of America and how we're divided. I don't think I don't think three quarters of Congress or the states would agree on basically anything. Unfor- no. Unfortunately, uh, but yeah, I I think you have to take the the path that you you can do it without an amendment. But in my personal opinion, if you were going to change it. it if you're going to change what our definition of life was when it started, in my opinion, you can only do that with an amendment. Um, and just to sidetrack us for a second, it was Roger Taney. I was thinking of as the chief justice who got a statue removed for the Dred Scott decision. Um, so yeah, a lot of bad Supreme court decisions. If you go through the history of them, uh, don't, don't just rely on one, one decision. Uh, so we're reaching our normal hour point. I know we had a lot more to say about abortion. We might have to do, this might just be part one of our abortion discussion. Is there anything else regarding, uh, I think we kind of took the, the legal aspect of abortion more than we did. We didn't really dive into the biology, uh, religious kind of aspects of it, which is definitely something I wanted to do, but I knew that this topic was way too big for, for one episode. Is there anything else more on the legal side of things that you'd like to say? No, not on the legal side. Yeah, I think we'll have to come back to this topic and, and argue uh, the additional sides of it. Because I know I know you were kind of dipping your toe in there, and I, I would love to dive headfirst into that. But again, we both have other obligations, and uh, we're already at the 58-minute mark. So we'll go ahead and end it here. Uh, if you have any, any more points on the legal side or disagree with us, please hit us up on Twitter, at the rake, but the A is a four at Thomas Black underscore 86 and at OVO Deep State. We had a very productive discussion. I, I actually enjoyed uh, some of your points and something. Some I'm going to look more into stuff that Alabama is doing. I, I wasn't really, I didn't really know a whole lot about the Alabama laws. I was mostly focused on the Texas stuff. So that's something I'm going to look more into as well as uh, we'll go. I'll probably get a little bit more boned up on, on what your biology argument is going to be. Uh, but This was a good conversation. I had fun. And as always, thanks for listening. We're the OVO Deep State Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone.